War and Peace, Book Nine, Chapter Three, read for LibriVox.org by Ernst Patinama. Chapter Three. The Emperor of Russia had, meanwhile, been in Vilna for more than a month, reviewing troops and holding maneuvers. Nothing was ready for the war that everyone expected, and to prepare for which the Emperor had come from Petersburg. There was no general plan of action. The vacillation between the various plans that were proposed had even increased after the Emperor had been at headquarters for a month. Each of the three armies had its own commander-in-chief, but there was no supreme commander of all the forces, and the Emperor did not assume that responsibility himself. The longer the Emperor remained in Vilna, the less did everybody, tired of waiting, prepare for the war. All the efforts of those who surrounded the sovereign seemed directed merely to making him spend his time pleasantly and forget that war was impending. In June, after many balls and fates given by the Polish magnates, by the courtiers, by the emperor himself, it occurred to one of the Polish aides-de-camp in attendance that a dinner and ball should be given for the emperor by his aide-de-camp. This idea was eagerly received. The emperor gave his consent. The aide-de-camp collected money by a subscription. The lady, who was thought to be most pleasing to the emperor, was invited to act as hostess. Count Benixen, being a landowner in the Vilna province, offered his country house for the fete, and the 13th of June was fixed for a ball, dinner, regatta, and fireworks at Zakret, Count Benixen's country seat. The very day that Napoleon issued the order to cross Niemen, and his vanguard, driving off the Cossacks, crossed the Russian frontier, Alexander spent the evening at the entertainment given by his aide-de-camp at Benixen's country house. It was a gay and brilliant fete. Connoisseurs of such matters declared that rarely had so many beautiful women been assembled in one place. Countess Bezukhova was present among other Russian ladies, who had followed the sovereign from Petersburg to Vilna, and eclipsed the refined Polish ladies by her massive so-called Russian type of beauty. The emperor noticed her and honoured her with a dance. Boris Drubitskoy, having left his wife in Moscow and being for the present en garçon, as he phrased it, was also there, and, though not an aide-de-camp, had subscribed a large sum toward the expenses. Boris was now a rich man, who had risen to high honours, and no longer sought patronage, but stood on an equal footing with the highest of those of his own age. He was meeting Hélène in Vilna, after not having seen her for a long time, and did not recall the past. But as Hélène was enjoying the favours of a very important personage, and Boris had only recently married, they met as good friends of long standing. At midnight, dancing was still going on. Hélène, not having a suitable partner, herself offered to dance the mazurka with Boris. They were the third couple. Boris, coolly looking at Hélène's dazzling bare shoulders, which emerged from a dark, gold-embroidered gauze gown, talked to her of old acquaintances, and at the same time, unaware of it himself and unnoticed by others, never for an instant ceased to observe the emperor, who was in the same room. The emperor was not dancing. He stood in the doorway, 
stopping now one pair and now another with gracious words which she alone knew how to utter as the mazurka began Boris saw that adjutant general Balashov, one of those in closest attendance on the emperor went up to him and contrary to court etiquette stood near him while he was talking to a polish lady having finished speaking to her the emperor looked inquiringly at Balashov, and evidently understanding that he only acted thus because there were important reasons for so doing nodded slightly to the lady and turned to him hardly had Balashov begun to speak before a look of amazement appeared on the emperor's face he took Balashov by the arm and crossed the room with him unconsciously clearing a path seven yards wide as the people on both sides made way for him Boris noticed Arakcheyev's excited face when the sovereign went out with Balashov. Arakcheyev looked at the emperor from under his brow and, sniffing with his red nose, stepped forward from the crowd, as if expecting the emperor to address him. Boris understood that Arakcheyev envied Balashov and was displeased that evidently important news had reached the emperor otherwise than through himself. But the Emperor and Balashov passed out into the illuminated garden without noticing Arakcheyev, who, holding his sword and glancing wrathfully around, followed some twenty paces behind them. All the time Boris was going through the figures of the mazurka, he was worried by the question of what news Balashov had brought and how he could find it out before others. In the figure in which he had to choose two ladies, he whispered to Hélène, that he meant to choose Countess Potochka, who, he thought, had gone out onto the veranda, and glided over the parquet to the door opening into the garden, where, seeing Balashov and the Emperor returning to the veranda, he stood still. They were moving toward the door. Boris, fluttering as if he had not had time to withdraw, respectfully pressed close to the doorpost with bowed head. The Emperor, with the agitation of one who has been personally affronted, was finishing with these words. To enter Russia without declaring war, I will not make peace as long as a single armed enemy remains in my country. It seemed to Boris that it gave the Emperor pleasure to utter these words. He was satisfied with the form in which he had expressed his thoughts, but displeased that Boris had overheard it. Let no one know of it. The emperor added with a frown. Boris understood that this was meant for him, and, closing his eyes, slightly bowed his head. The emperor re-entered the ballroom and remained there about another half-hour. Boris was thus the first to learn the news that the French army had crossed the Niemen, and, thanks to this, was able to show certain important personages that much that was concealed from others was usually known to him, and by this means he rose higher in their estimation. The unexpected news of the French having crossed the Niemen was particularly startling after a month of unfulfilled expectations and at a ball. On first receiving the news, under the influence of indignation and resentment, the Emperor had found a phrase that pleased him, fully expressed his feelings, and has since become famous. On returning home at two o'clock that night, he sent for his secretary, Shiskov, 
and told him to write an order to the troops and a rescript to field marshal prince saltikov in which he insisted on the words being inserted that he would not make peace so long as a single armed frenchman remained on russian soil next day the following letter was sent to napoleon monsieur mon frere yesterday i learned that despite the loyalty which i have kept my engagements with your majesty your troops have crossed the russian frontier and i have this moment received from petersburg a note in which count loriston informs me as a reason for this aggression that your majesty has considered yourself to be in a state of war with me from the time prince kuragin asked for his passports the reasons on which the duc de bassano based his refusal to deliver them to him would never have led me to suppose that that could serve as a pretext for aggression in fact the ambassador as he himself has declared was never authorized to make that demand and as soon as i was informed of it i let him know how much i disapproved of it and ordered him to remain at his post if your majesty does not intend to shed the blood of our peoples for such a misunderstanding and consents to withdraw your troops from russian territory i will regard what has passed as not having occurred and an understanding between us will be possible in the contrary case your majesty i shall see myself forced to repel an attack that nothing on my part has provoked it still depends on your majesty to preserve humanity from the calamity of another war i am etc signed alexander end of chapter 3 recording by ernst patinama amsterdam the netherlands